Hey guys, it's Bianca. Remember me? Long time no speak. I've been super busy the past few months with my law practice. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, radio appearances and just you know local media appearances talking about immigration issues and just what's going on um, in immigration today. So as a result of that, I've been getting a lot more clients. I've been super busy, so I've kind of neglected my podcast. But I hope to be able to start recording these again somewhat more frequently because I've been getting a lot of questions and feedback. Um, one of the questions and feedback that I got was my last podcast, I was told that I wasn't descriptive enough. Um, and I was asked by a couple of people to do a business podcast where I'm actually walking you through the different kinds of business entities and kind of um, going deeper into my last podcast, which is about um, like legal considerations for your business. So hopefully my life settles down a little bit soon, so I'll be able to do that for you guys. Um, but... Um, I'm actually humbled by the fact that you guys check in on me and are still emailing me and asking me questions and um, talking to me on Instagram. So um, I'm going to start, I'm going to try to start doing these podcasts a little more frequently than I have been. So today's episode is episode 18. Um, and it's a little tough for me. Um, so if crying makes you uncomfortable, you might want to stop listening to it right now. Um, so today is my third anniversary becoming a lawyer. And, um, you know, so three years ago today, June 16th, 2014, I got sworn in as a lawyer and um, I've wanted to be a lawyer since I was 12 um, during a seventh grade field trip to um, a courthouse in Boston. I was told by my seventh grade teacher, um, so we have to reenact the Boston massacre trial and you're going to play the role of John Adams. And she did this because at the time I was like super shy, super quiet, way more introverted than I am right now. And she just wanted to push me out of my um, comfort level just to try to gain some semblance of public speaking experience. So I side-eyed her at first. So I was like, seriously, like, I do not like talking in front of people. Like, why are you not only making me participate in this involuntarily, but you're making me do something that requires like words coming out of my mouth in front of a group of people. I don't care if it's, you know, in front of the people I've been in elementary school with all these years, like you're still making me talk in front of all these people. So I did it because, you know, um, at the time I didn't really challenge authority as much as I do now. So back in the day, if you told me to do something, I pretty much did it. So I went along with it. I played the role of John Adams in the Boston Massacre. He was the attorney representing um, 
I believe it was the soldiers. I honestly don't even remember the whole trial. I remember what happened, but I just don't remember the trial. I don't really remember um, what I said as I was portraying this lawyer in this field trip. And afterwards, like my, um, my classmates didn't laugh at me. They didn't make fun of me. I actually felt a little more confident and um, thought, hmm, like, maybe this being a lawyer thing isn't so bad after all. And um, that was when I decided to become an attorney when I grew up. Um, so if not for my seventh grade teacher, Ms. Doucette, I definitely would never have, um, I probably wouldn't have wanted to become an attorney when I grew up. So fast forward to, you know, through high school, I did the usual high school things, you know, cheerleading, National Honor Society, all that good stuff. College, you know, I volunteered a lot, um, got really involved in the UN because I wanted to work for the UN. It wasn't enough that I wanted to become an attorney. I wanted to become a human rights lawyer so that I could help women and children, particularly Haitian women and children, because obviously I'm Haitian. So who better um, what better demographic to help but your own? So um, over the years, um, I've written like countless papers on, you know, if I was in charge of fixing Haiti, how I would go about doing it. And um, I've participated in, you know, Model UN um, in high school. I taught Model UN as part of um, my internship through the United Nations Association. Um, so I've always been involved with um, like the United Nations and wanting to be like a human rights something. And then I went to law school and just started learning more about what the UN does, particularly in Haiti, and started thinking, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. I can't be a part of this organization that's responsible for, you know, the cholera outbreak in Haiti, um, sexually assaulting you know, a lot of women and children in Haiti and just a whole bunch of other stuff. So I've had a like-hate relationship with the United Nations um, for years and I've pretty much given up on working for them. So um, fast forward all that stuff um, in law school, I was like, okay, so I want to be a lawyer. I want to, you know, help this demographic? How can I help them? So I naturally turned to immigration. My whole family, obviously, are immigrants, came here legally, came here the right way for the right reasons. Um, I wanted to help more people like that. So I naturally started gravitating towards immigration. I participated in my law school's immigration law clinic for a year. Um, my first case involved representing a 15-year-old unaccompanied minor from, I think, either Honduras or Guatemala, I honestly don't remember, and they wanted to deport him. Meanwhile, his dad was here, and they weren't trying to deport him, so it's like, all right, so you're trying to deport a 15-year-old to go back to a country to live by himself when his dad is here? So I was able to successfully um, petition for guardianship for him, which allowed him to apply for an immigration benefit. And um, that was a really proud moment for me because not only did I win my first legal case, 
but um, I got to help a 15-year-old kid who otherwise would have been deported. Um, and I just knew that I really wanted to work in immigration and I wanted to have my own firm, but um, I wanted to work for someone else first. I wanted to work for another attorney for a couple of years, get more experience, get more confidence before I eventually go out on my own. But um, when I graduated from law school, that wasn't the case. Um, so in case you haven't listened to the very first episode of this podcast, which I mean, could be depressing at times. I'll give you, um, I'll give you the abbreviated version. So I graduated from law school, studied for the bar like fourteen hour days. Didn't do anything that did not require studying for the bar. I didn't even go to my now fiance's grad school graduation because the day of his graduation was the day that Barbary was going to be going over property law. And I sucked at property in law school, and I wanted to make sure that I understood it so that I could actually pass the bar. So I didn't even go to his graduation. And after his graduation, I found out that you could just get the lectures online after that. So after I found that out, I was like super sad and disappointed because I missed out on his graduation. And also, um, I was mad that I had been spending money going down to Boston to attend these bar prep lectures in person when I could just do the same thing in my apartment for free, which mattered because again, if you remember, I was broke. I had no money. I had a barely part-time job at Bath and Body Works that was giving me maybe, maybe 20 hours a month. So, um, and I think I was only making like nine bucks an hour at the time. So you can imagine how broke I was. I had no money. And then, um, so I was, you know, so obviously I stopped spending money I clearly didn't have trying to get down to Boston every day to study for the bar. I just did it at home. And, you know, I missed out on like just a lot of fun family experiences that summer because it was bar exam robust. I did not want to do anything that could potentially lead me to not pass the bar. And guess what? I failed it anyway. So I failed the bar by a couple of points. And um, I was just devastated because obviously failing the bar, but failing by like becoming like, I was so close to becoming an attorney. Like if I had literally answered like one more multi-state right, I would have been an attorney. So I was like so mad and so deflated and just wanting to give up on like everything. And then, um, you know, after crying for a little bit, I kind of dusted myself off and was like, you know what? Like, this is what I want to do. I don't have a backup plan. Like most people are like, you know, okay, so I want to be a lawyer. But if that doesn't work out, I'll go do this, this and this. I didn't have a plan B. Because since I was 12, I was pretty much, I'm going to be an attorney. Um, back in the day, they used to have those who's who in America books. I don't know if they still have them, but they, they used to be these who's who in America. So like if you were in the National Honor Society like I was, or if you just like were really smart or whatever. I honestly don't know what the criteria was for these books, but I was in one. And my entry for that says that um, that I was going to go to Spelman College, which I didn't end up going to um, because I was like, okay, I went to Cardinal Spelman High School. I don't want to go to Spelman College. 
Um, but if I went, it actually would have been cool because my cousin ended up going there and, you know, we're the same age and that would have been fun. But anyway, I didn't go there, but, um, under, you know, what I want to be when I grow up, it said lawyer. So to know me is to know that I want to, you know, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. So, um, that's literally all I had in my mind that, you know, this is what I'm going to be when I grow up. There's nothing else that's going to cut it. Um, so I dusted myself off. I made a plan, but, you know, I couldn't really stick to the plan because, again, I wasn't working and I had bills to pay. So I was applying to jobs, I was interviewing for jobs. Um, and then I still had my job at Bath and Body Works. So, you know, the times when I actually was scheduled to go in, I had to because, again, I needed money. So I had made a plan to start studying for the bar in December, um, for the February bar in December. I had a schedule. I had I printed out calendars. I said, okay, on this day, I'm going to study this. On this day, I'm going to study that. And I just couldn't because I had to look for work. I had to interview. And then sometimes I actually had to work. And one of my law professors, um, towards the end of January, she asked me, um, so how's the bar studying going? And I said that it wasn't. And she said, well, there's no point in taking the bar then because we're going to fail. So obviously, you know, I had to study for the bar to prove her wrong, which I did. You know, fast forward to April. Um, I was pretty much just chilling like stoop kid, waiting for the mail to come in to see if I'd passed the bar. And when I got my letter, like... I cried because I had been through so much just to be able to pass the bar. Fast forward a couple months later, um, I had gotten a job in D.C. Um, so I had gotten a job in D.C. My fiance had gotten a job in D.C. So we're moving to D.C. And then literally the week that we're moving to D.C., our, our housing plans fell through, but we're like, okay, but we still have to go because, you know, there's this job and, you know, like we got to go. And then, you know, that same week, my job fell through. Um, but my fiance still had his job lined up. So we're like, all right, cool. So we'll just go to DC. We'll stay in a hotel and figure it out. And then eventually like one of his friends was like, no, you could just stay with us and whatever. But, um, so that summer, basically, you know, we were pretty much homeless. We spent a week in a hotel until that got too expensive. And then we ended up taking my fiance's friend up on his offer to live with him. And then um, during that time, uh, my car got towed. And again, as you remember, I was working at like Bath and Body Works making no money. So I pretty much had no money to pay for this, you know, car that was towed. Um, my phone got disconnected. So when I'm applying to jobs, I literally had to go to like a Starbucks or somewhere that had Wi-Fi just so I could log in just so that I could, you know, look for jobs and apply to them because I had had my resume, um, on my phone. So I was able, I had at that point, I had like different versions of my resume so that, you know, if I was applying for a legal job that didn't deal with, you know, immigration, that I had a resume that was kind of generic law. And then I had jobs where if I was applying for immigration, that um, they were more focused on the experience that I had. And it just felt like 
one bad thing happening after the other when we were living in D.C., whereas when we'd visited prior and gone on our job interviews and all that stuff, we loved it. Like, it was super cool down there. We were so excited about moving down there. Everything seemed, like, so perfect, and then all of a sudden, everything started falling apart, and I remember, like, the the last straw was, you know, like, I told my mom that, <sighs> again, I'm trying not to cry, but I cry over everything, so anyway, I told my mom that my car got towed, and, you know, I had no money to get it, and, you know, obviously I can't leave, can't just leave my car, um, in another state, and I'm talking on the phone with my mom, and she's, like, crying, telling me, like, I need to come back to Massachusetts, because I'm just struggling too much in BC, but I just didn't want to go back, I still wanted to, like, try to figure it out, but the writing was on the wall at that point, like, I had lost out on my job, my fiance's job offer also fell through. So now not only were we homeless, but we literally both had no jobs. And I was telling one of my friends that, and she was like, kind of also echoing what my mom said. And she was like, dude, like come to Massachusetts, stay with me, like live with me. I have like, you can have my whole basement, like just stop struggling where you are. Just come back up here and you can work with me. You can figure something out. And, um, I sometimes joke and say that she jinxed me because the night before, no, the week before we left Massachusetts, we went to visit her. And as we're getting into our cars, she hugged me and she said, if DC doesn't work out for whatever reason, you can come stay with me. And I looked at her and I was like, why wouldn't DC work out? I've been planning this move for the past two and a half years I've been, you know, flying down there for job interviews left and right. I've been networking like crazy. Like, this isn't something where I just woke up and said, gee, I think I'll move to D.C. today. I've been planning this for, like, years. So I just didn't pay it any mind. And then, you know, weeks later, it was like, yeah, so um, can we still take you up on that offer to live with you? Um, So you know, so we did. So I ended up spending the summer on Cape Cod in Massachusetts and, you know, spent some days at the beach just reflecting and just thinking about how the hell I got myself in this situation, right? Because I literally, I did everything right. I went to college, I got a bachelor's, I got an MBA, I went to law school, got my JD and I passed the bar. Like I was literally a lawyer with an MBA. Why the fuck can't I get a job? So I was just, bitter and mad and like, what the hell? I did everything right. Meanwhile, you know, I started to resent people like the Kim Kardashians of the world who just spread their legs and they're famous and they're rich and they don't have a worry in the world. So I just spent a lot of time in my feelings and eventually that subsided because at the end of the day, it's like, okay, so you could sit here and sulk and you know, be mad at the world for what they have that you don't. But after a while, you need to like suck it up and figure out what you can do to make your life better. So I helped my friend out at her law firm. um, And I reached out to an immigration organization on the Cape and I volunteered as a volunteer immigration attorney, just made sure to, you know, network and get more experience with these cases. And then, um, there were a few people whose cases they couldn't take, so they offered to, you know, refer the clients to me, so they did. So I started 
gradually getting more hits for clients. So um, eventually I was like, fuck it, let me just start the law office of Bianca Gay. I mean, I wanted to work for somebody else for at least a couple years to get more experience under my belt, but nobody was trying to hire me. I think that summer alone, I applied to over 300 jobs and it was either, you know, you're too experienced because, you know, they looked at it and were like, oh, well, you have an MBA and you're a lawyer, like we can't afford to pay you. Even though at that point I would have literally taken any amount of money because my car was on the verge of being repoed when I had literally two payments left um, to pay it off. And um, Sally Mae was just a bitch. So I honestly would have taken whatever they threw at me just because, I mean, I was literally broke and homeless. So I really wasn't in a position to be picky, but um, nobody wanted to hire me. I was either too experienced or I wasn't experienced enough to get a job at a law firm. So I was like, well, I'll just hire myself. And I had um, three clients to start and realized, okay, well, these types of cases and these three clients are not enough to cut you know, to cut it, not enough to pay my bills. So when I got a job offer at a financial company, which has now since gone out of business, I took it because again, I have bills to pay and, um, I didn't get paid a lot, at least relative to what the other two women who were doing the same exact job as I had were making. Um, and that was because they negotiated their salary and I did not because, um, well, they asked me what salary I would want, and I told them. And they added like $10,000 more to what I asked for. But it was still less than the other two women I worked with. And I had more, you know, credentials than they did. You know, I was a lawyer with an MBA. So I felt that that should entitle me to make more money than them, but clearly it didn't. And I talked about it in my um, negotiation podcast, so I'm not going to rehash it here. But um, just over time, I just started getting more and more clients um, here and there. I obviously couldn't afford office space, so I didn't have any. So I've been for the past three years. My law firm turns three this year. Um, For the past three years, I've just been meeting clients wherever. Like if I know you, then, you know, like if it's a friend or whatever, then obviously I just meet them in my apartment, in my home office. But if I don't know you, um, I typically, I'll meet people at the library. I'll meet people at like Panera. I've been meeting people in the most random places. Um, I've used to use my dad's office to meet with people, but I don't anymore. But I just have to be creative and meet people, you know, wherever, whether that requires driving or whatever. I was just trying to make it work. And um, a couple months ago, um, my mom introduced me to a woman and we met for coffee and she was like, well, you should do this and you should do that. And, you know, she's like a community organizer, really into the community, really just like, she's one of those people that believes in like marching and, you know, writing letters to Congress and that type of activism. Um, I'm kind of more of a laid back, like, I'll use your hashtag kind of activist sometimes, but um, she's like really like, true to this activism and she was like you need to be doing this in the community and this that and whatever and yada yada and I'm like okay 
I don't have the time to do this stuff. And she was like, um, and you should, you know, call this person and tell them that you want to help them with stuff and call this pastor and tell him you want to help the community and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, lady, I really don't have time to be like doing this stuff right now. But, you know, um, I sucked it up and I ended up reaching out to the people that she told me to. And um, since then, one of them, you know, since doing that, um, I've been able to go on multiple radio shows talking about immigration issues, particularly um, like TPS, which is Temporary Protected Status for Haitians. That's um, possibly going to end in January. So I've been going on a lot of local media spots talking about what immigrants in that position can do, like what their options are. And as a result, I've been getting more clients from that. And then this other woman that she told me to connect with, um, we met and um, actually before we even met. So I called her on the phone and I said, you know, hi, my name is Bianca. Um, You know, so-and-so told me to give you a call. And before I could even get my next sentence out, she's like, oh, I know who you are. You're Lou and Nadia's daughter, right? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, um, oh, I know you. You're good people because I know your parents. And like for Haitian, I don't know if it's like this for other immigrant families, but for Haitians, like if your parents know your friend's parents or whatever, you're more likely to be able to like hang out with them because, you know, God forbid you hang out with like the bad apples. So growing up, like if my friend's if my parents knew my friend's parents and um, bonus points with their Haitian, but if my parents knew my friend's parents, it was more likely that I'd be able to like go to a party or sleep over or whatever the case. So um, anyway, so this woman was like, yeah, let's meet. Like, how about we meet like tomorrow? So I was like, all right, fine. So I met with her, had a conversation with her, learned more about her nonprofit organization and what she does in the community and she was like all right cool so like let's collab like where's your office and I'm like um my office is currently in the den in my apartment and she was like no you need like an actual office use this like we're never really here this office was donated to us so I want to donate it to you I want you to be able to use this office to meet with your clients whenever you need to whenever we're not using it you can use it and, you know, for free, you don't have to pay anything. All I ask is that, you know, occasionally you help us with like informational sessions about immigration rights in the community. And I was like, seriously, like, is this a joke? Like literally I did not know this woman from Adam, but because she knows my parents, she was like, yeah, here's this office space free of charge. So, um, I finally got the keys to the office a couple days ago Um, and I've just been an emotional wreck, like the past week and a half, um, particularly this week, because just to know where I came from, like just to know everything that I went through, um, just to get to where I am, like law school was the hardest three years of my life, um, just emotionally, academically, um, I have never in my life received as many C's as I did my first year of law school. And um, since my first year of law school, I ended up getting all A's and B's with the exception of, I think, my last semester of law school when I got a C plus in UCC. 
But other than that, um, I was able to get all A's and B's for the rest of law school. Um, you know, I failed the bar the first try, but, you know, less than a year later, I passed. Um, I went from, you know, having absolutely nothing, literally, like, being homeless, sleeping on people's couches and air mattresses and, um, until eventually getting a job and getting the apartment we now been living in for, I think this is also going on year three for us here. Um, I just feel really blessed because I literally went from having nothing to where I am now. Like I started my law firm with nothing. Um, I, you know, couldn't have obviously couldn't afford somebody to like do my website for me. So I figured, Oh, okay, I can do this. Like, this is basically like updating our MySpace pages and our Black Planet pages back in the day. So I got this. I could do this. So I created my own website. I created my own logo. Like I just had to be really self-sufficient and just like hit the ground running to be where I am right now. So um, I always kind of reflect on where I was and where I am like around this time every year because it's my lawyer anniversary. And um, I don't take any of this stuff for granted. Um, so I just feel like really humbled um, and blessed that I'm where I am today. Um, so I just really wanted to do a podcast episode on that because, I mean, obviously, it's my three year anniversary as an attorney. But a lot of my friends right now are like going through some stuff. Um, I have friends who um, are dealing with the loss of, you know, family members. I have friends that are like unemployed and struggling right now. Um, I just, you know, people are always going through stuff every day. And um, so I just wanted to take a t- like a little time to reflect on, you know, what I have and where I've been and, um, just to be grateful for where I am and also just to inspire and encourage anybody out there that's like going through shit. Um, it really is only temporary. I know it feels like it's not. I know it feels like, I know for me anyway, like I just felt like when I was looking for work, no matter what I did, no matter what job I applied for, like I just wasn't getting anywhere. And, you know, so I know what it's like to just work so hard and not be able to make any progress. But, like, three years later, I feel like I'm finally getting there. And I just feel really blessed and humbled by where I am. And um, the fact that you guys even listen to me, especially if you're still listening to me after like 35 minutes of crying pretty much. Um, I'm super thankful that you guys give me this little platform that I have to do my best to encourage and motivate the masses. (laughs) But um, I really need to stop crying because I'm supposed to be on a boat in a couple hours um, for a party. So I really need to like get it together. But um I just want everybody to know that um, 
nothing worth having comes easy and um, you just have to keep at it and keep pushing through and this really is only temporary eventually you will get through it and um, you just have to like take the time to understand why you're going through what you're going through um, you just have to understand that God never gives you more than you can handle and that it's for a purpose like it's to teach you something it's to make you stronger um, because I went through everything I went through from you know failing the bar and not being able to find work or anything oh and then I forgot to mention after I did get that job um, I got laid off so um, I was like back to square one again it's like I'm finally like I finally caught up on all my bills finally was in a position where like I wasn't in the negative and now I could start saving and then it was like oh yeah so we're gonna let you go see you later have a nice life so um like I've been through it so I know what it's like and that's why I try really hard to you know share my experience because most people it's like oh yeah I'm a lawyer I'm living this perfect life and I'm living happily ever after and that's unfortunately not the reality for a lot of us a lot of us out there are struggling I know people who are lawyers right now who aren't even making like $40,000 a year who graduated with like six figures of debt. So I know it's tough out there. Um, I know what it's like. And I wanted this podcast to be a way to showcase that, but also inspire in that like, you know, I've been through all this shit, but I'm making it. I'm okay. Like I'm living. I'm not where I want to be, but, you know, thank God I'm not where I was. And as long as you just keep at it, you'll be fine. Um, a couple of years ago, I got Persevere um, tattooed on my wrist, on my left wrist. So I always see it. And it's my reminder that no matter how hard life gets, no matter what I'm going through, like, as long as I keep at it, like, I can overcome anything because I have and I just want people to know that you definitely have the strength and courage to overcome whatever you're going through so um I'm gonna stop crying now and try to get ready for this day party um if you're still here thanks so much for listening to now 38 minutes of me crying um, if you want to hit me up, you can do so on Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is BJGESQ. Um, you can also hit me up on Instagram, either, um, at chocolate nerd, which is my personal Instagram or attorney Bianca, which is the Instagram page for this podcast. And just, you know, if you're going through anything or if you've gone through stuff and made it you know made it on the other side like share your stories like more people need to know that like we all go through this shit like I mean everybody goes through shit and I think that if more people shared their pain and suffering and you know frustrations and stuff we might actually have less people taking their lives because of these issues so I'm all about, you know, sharing my struggles with the hope that it encourages somebody out there who might need it. Um, 
as always, if you have any questions or comments or whatever, you can shoot me an email at hello at attorneybianca.com. And I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the week.